You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. It's graduation season, and I've been marveling in particular about the um, couple of graduates that we have here um, in this congregation, some of them are graduating right now with their family, with their families, um, and they're yeah, like I said, they're all part of this congregation except for Johnny, our pastor on Frankfurt Ave, is down there in the middle. Had to throw him in. Um, he got his MDiv. Elizabeth up there got is getting her um, Master's of Fine Arts from Tyler Mabel, Engineering from Penn. Rebecca's graduating from high school, Science Leadership Academy. Mike is graduating from Penn right now, Poli Sci, Johnny M. Div, and Susie's over at Eastern in sociology. It's a big deal to graduate, you know, it's a big accomplishment. All these guys worked really hard um, toward this accomplishment. And it wasn't it wasn't a cakewalk for any of them. Um, But they all hung in there, and they got to the end. And I think it's good to stand in that moment of accomplishment for a minute. It's it's good if you can kind of let yourself be there. So I hope they do. I think sometimes it's hard to savor the moment when you're so exhausted from just trying to, like, get to your goal. And Mabel was talking about that in our cell this week, how... um, it, it was hard to just even enjoy the graduation ceremony. She was falling asleep <laughs> from working on a paper the night before. Um, so I hope we can help these guys savor the moment. But if you see any of them beyond their graduation ceremony, they, won't, they probably won't have their cap and gown on, right? They're going to take it off, and they're going to figure out what's next. And I, I think that can be kind of a strange and difficult tension in big, even celebratory moments like this. It's the same with like a wedding or a bring, bringing home a baby. Um, right at the culmination and fruition, there's this beginning of a whole new challenge. There can be fear and loss in that. Like, what if, you know, what if that was the best time of my life and now it's over? Um, how will something else be better? What if this was the best thing I ever did? If I got attached to the people I was doing it with, like, how are we going to stay close? How will I apply what I've learned or pay off all this debt that I'm in? So I think there can be a lot of uncertainty in the middle of accomplishment. And Jesus is no stranger to that tension to helping us move through uncertainty and faith. And we say here at Circle of Hope that we're called to move with what the Spirit is doing next. Because we have this crazy hope based on the resurrection of Christ that God always does want to do a great new thing in and through us. It doesn't erase the goodness or the difficulty of the, of the old things, but it does call us to keep moving on in hope for ourselves and for others. And so I hope we can get into some of that hope here with each other tonight in the midst of whatever joy or loss 
or uncertainty that you are holding. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is this graduation moment that Mary Magdalene has with Jesus right after the resurrection. And she gets called into this moving with what the Spirit is doing next. She gets called into the Circle of Hope proverb. Um, So I want to look at this story with you because I think it is one of those real-life moments where um, she's... She's, it's, it's totally wonderful and totally difficult at the same time. It's that irony of feeling com- complete and fulfilled, like right in the middle of change and transition. Jesus comes back from the dead, literally. Um, and she finally gets him back personally. This, this God person who has opened up her whole life captured her heart, transformed her life. And in that very moment, he says to her, Mary, do not hold on to me. Do not hold on to me. And I've always found that to be a little rough, that Jesus says that. I think the way it sounds um, can just trigger all of my fear of loss and loneliness. Do not hold on to me. But I think that Jesus is saying something deeper here that we really need to hear. So I hope he'll speak, he'll speak that to us. I think there's actually like a great promise. There's several promises that Jesus is giving to Mary and to us in this moment. Um, So I hope we can get them even here in this meeting. Let me read the passage to you from John 20. Actually, is it too, can somebody read it for us? Is it too small? John, please. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away. I don't know where they have put it. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you carry him away, tell me where you have put him, I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani. Thank you, John. So a couple of things to note here right away that you could probably hear in John's great reading. Um, First of all, that Mary's really sad. She's like really sad. Like, have you ever been so sad that you can't really see what's in front of you? Your grief is kind of clouding everything. She's, She's in that. 
And she doesn't even recognize Jesus until Jesus says her name, Mary. And that's the moment of recognition, because if there's one thing we know about Mary Magdalene, it's that Jesus got her, and she knew it. Jesus got her. And she allowed his love and power to change her life. You probably know there's all kinds of controversy around Mary Magdalene. Um, For the past 1,500 years or so, since... um, I think it was some pope that uh, put out there that she was a prostitute. Um, and then the Da Vinci Code, all that stuff about like her being married to Jesus. And so, uh, you know, people have, people have gone all over the place with her character. Um, but what we find in the actual Bible, though, is a true convert, a real disciple of Jesus. Um, somebody who really allowed their life to be changed. Jesus cast out seven demons from her, and then she followed him for, you know, beyond the resurrection to plant the the first church. The newest Mary Magdalene movie seems to be more along these lines. I haven't checked it out yet, so don't quote me. But what I've read about it... Um, I think highlights the real controversy around... Mary Magdalene, and this is what they were trying to do. Um, They're saying that the real controversy is that a woman could be so integral to the movement, to the early movement of the Christian faith. And so it wasn't just that Jesus got her, it was that she got Jesus, um, spiritually speaking. And her witness and her testimony sparked the heart of the movement. Like when the guys um, wanted to over wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans, and um, they and create this kingdom without death or suffering, Mary understands that Jesus has to die, and she you know she stays by the cross, and she she gets that his kingdom is of the heart. It's it's personal too. It's here. It's here and now. And she does seem to get that. So I got to see this movie and check out if that's what they're really saying about her. But naturally, in this in this moment in John 20 that we're looking at, she wants to stay with Jesus. She wants to stay in this moment with her Savior. And so it must have been initially hard to hear Jesus say, and, and confusing probably, to hear him say, do not hold on to me. because she, But because she trusts him and she's obedient, she lives into the real, incredibly hopeful and powerful meaning of his message. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I think that Jesus is really giving us... um, three pieces of encouragement here, or at least these are the ones that I was drawing out. And that, and the first one is that there is more. I think he was saying to her, I'm not done yet. I'm not finished this work yet. No matter how great things were, there's more coming. Uh, the verb here 
in John 20, uh, the verb for holding on is to fasten to, to cling to. And so she wasn't like, she wasn't just, you know, having the, trying to have this like momentary touch on Jesus. She was trying to hang on to the past. She was afraid to lose him and the connection they had. And Jesus was saying, you don't have to cling to the past, Mary, because there is a future. There's a future with me, with us together. I haven't ascended to my father yet. There's more work to do even right now, and I need you. I need your help to do it. I think that's what Jesus was saying to her. I don't know about you, but I can, I can let myself get real comfortable with my life at any given time. Um, and particularly, I get, I get really sentimental about places, about place. Like, I grew up in the same house, um, my, like, until I graduated from high school. And so I didn't expect to raise my kids in three different houses in, in Philly, the first one had this three-tier deck on it that um, was a beautiful place to look at the sky, to get some sun, which I love to do, to, to have quiet moments, to have parties. Um, and so we made a lot of memories there. And one of my favorite is my daughter like trying to be, become a rock climber with the pulley system that we had made for the... Um, the food by the grill when we, when we wanted to eat on the top deck. The second house had this lovely yard um, where I could finally grow things that we could eat. And we made a lot of memories there too. And that was really the hardest part about leaving these houses um, was not just like the sense of place there, but um, the way that we knew each other there. Like I like, I got. I got different moments um, with my kids growing up in these places. They learn stuff, and vice versa, and and I think that's how Mary felt in this moment with Jesus. Like it was too precious to give up. She wanted to stay. She didn't. She didn't get how. She didn't know how any particular arrangement could be better than that moment. I like our house and our, our new life in this house in South Philly even better than these old places in these, in these old moments. But I couldn't have imagined it then in that moment, in these moments. And, and I say all that to say that I think Jesus is right, that there is more and that he's not done yet. The second promise that I think Jesus is giving to Mary in the midst of this difficult moment of change is that they're going to be even more fully together now in this new way of relating, um, in this new arrangement by faith, heart to heart, spirit to spirit. They're going to they're gonna have even more of each other. Hard for Mary to imagine in that moment, but the fact is that she gets to be eternal now that through Jesus' death and resurrection. And so their relationship never has to end. And their work together is even more connected. 
I think that's what, what Jesus means by I'm ascending to my father, who is now your father, my God, who's now your God. Like, I think that must have been incredibly comforting and probably mind-blowing for the disciples to hear that Jesus' father is now their father fully and their God, that they're truly brothers and sisters in this eternal family. Jesus and Mary are way more connected than they ever were. One of our Compassion Core team members um, sent out this article this week, and um, I think it speaks to one of the most pressing issues of our time, loneliness. I think that capitalism has done a real number on all of us in terms of um, pressure to make our own ways in the world. We're, we're fed this individualism. We're all fed this individualism, I think, no matter how intact your family was growing up or how privileged you are. Um, you're supposed to figure out your own unique self and purpose in our, in our culture. And I think it has left a whole generation of us pretty isolated um, ironically, perhaps even more so with technology, because now we can control all of our interactions with each other, like according to our preferences. At any rate, the big money makers now are anything that might take the edge off of our loneliness, right? Bars and restaurants, dating and friendship apps, co working spaces pharmaceutical drugs, even cities. I think the urbanization of our country is related to this. And none of those things are bad, of course, but they, I think they are trying to fill this hole that can only be filled by undoing some of these lies about our aloneness and developing friendship with God and a mission and purpose with others in that friendship with God, even before we have it all figured out. This article doesn't get to the God part, but it does conclude that honing in on a mission or purpose larger than oneself and working with others in community, even people you don't get along with, um, and actually striving towards something greater for the common good could be the cure for, for loneliness, and a key to our survival. And I totally agree. And I think that that is actually possible through, through the solitude with God, the friendship with God that Jesus was calling Mary into. And that brings me to the last promise that I think Jesus was giving to Mary. Um in the same breath as don't hold on to me. I think he was kind of saying, in this new era, Mary, people need to hold on to you. People need to be able to hold on to you. And that's kind of why we exist as a circle of hope at all, to be the presence of Jesus in the world, to be a tribe and a people that, that, that people could actually hang on to and no. 
I think the grace and the presence of Jesus is a love that's meant to grow. It's not just for us. It's meant to grow. And I think that was Jesus' main point to Mary. Their, their love wasn't meant to be just this tiny thing between two people or between 12 people or between 77 people or between four congregations like we are now as a circle of hope. It was meant to touch and change the whole world. And Jesus is really urgent. I love Jesus's urgency here. He's really urgent about moving in that direction right away. Soon as he, soon as he gets back, he's moving in that direction with the people that he's closest to, with the people that he trusts the most. He's not just trying to hog up their, their love for himself. He, he's hoping that he, they go and tell others just like Mary does. So compassion and connection, this very thing that gives our lives purpose and meaning must be experienced. It's, it's, you and I are the antidote to loneliness. We are the antidote to loneliness together. So if you're not part of a cell group right now, please join one. I hope you join one. People need your presence in their life. And we're about to begin this mapping process as a church where we listen to God together about what God is calling us to do specifically in the next year. And there's a lot of things that we could address. Um, On Friday, we were addressing gun violence with um, Marla Davis Bellamy of Ceasefire. This lady is like dynamite. Um, She had story after story about the problem, like the crazy depth of the problem in Philadelphia that's not really being addressed like it is in other cities. And the change that is being made when people join up with ceasefire and circle of peacemakers and become violence interrupters, the change that can be made when people like are willing to get in the midst of the conflict and engage, it's amazing. So there's a lot of things we could we could address in our city in the new year together. Racism, which, by the way, is absolutely at the heart of this problem, systemic racism. Climate change, foster care, unemployment. There's a lot of things we could do together. But I think the best way to get started on any of that is to come together and to pray and to get to know each other and to actually love each other. And I know so many of you are busy, um, and it might just feel like another thing, but it's not another thing. Like Mary, you're an important part of the work that Jesus wants to do in the world. And the love that you have is meant to be shared and to grow. I know that some of you have like beautifully deep relationships with people in our, in our community. I think that's one of our strengths. Um, and I think it's good. I hope you do have deep relationships in the church, but it's not supposed to end there, right? The saving grace of Jesus in us is meant to keep growing and touching others. 
Let me pray for us, and then we have some time for talk back. Jesus, thank you for not being done yet. We often feel discouraged um, by our problems and limitations and by our fears of loss and uncertainty. But I thank you for continuing to call us to grow and to move with you. I pray that you could help us to listen this season like Israel was, was trying to get us to do to listen to the particular ways that you're calling each of us and then the ways that you're calling us as a church together. Thank you for this movement of love that keeps on expanding out beyond us. I pray that you would grow it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.